Did you know a 2018 study showed half of prenatal vitamins tested had unacceptable levels of heavy metals? I'm Kat, mother of three and founder of Ritual. When I was four months pregnant, I couldn't find a prenatal I could trust, so I created my own. Ours is made traceable, third-party tested for heavy metals, and recently earned the Purity Award from the Clean Label Project. But don't just take my word for it. Get 25% off at virtual.com slash podcast. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Good evening, Rifters. This is Rifts and Rules, the 5e D&D podcast. We go through the many 5e books and talk about various rules and enhance your gameplay experience. I'm Nathan, the Dungeon Master of Riftwake. And I'm Remy, a player on Riftwake and the Dungeon Master myself. And today we're here to talk to you about hirelings. Nathan, what is a hireling? It's someone who's really high. No, man, that's just me. Okay, a hireling is someone that you hire. Yeah. So what are the kinds of situations that might prompt a party to want to hire someone? Carp's disposal. I mean, I'll be honest, most players seem pretty good at that, but potentially. Actually, that's a good question. <laughs> Does anyone favor Carp's disposal? <laughs> I mean, not players just that you know. The bodies there? <laughs> a lot of the time, but I'll be honest, that's probably something that more people should consider. <laughs> it's like, oh, um, who's going to clean this up? <laughs> Not our problem. <laughs> yeah. Hmm. Anyways, that, that's a topic for another time. Yeah. <laughs> God damn it, Nathan. But anyway, uh, seriously, though, what are the situations, though, where a hireling might come in handy? Uh, guard for your very conveniently placed uh, keep. Yeah, that definitely is one. Um, that's all I could think about. <laughs> Dude. Okay, uh, okay, someone to steal your ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> all right, that's a good one. So there is also a generic answer that you could give, which is anything that your players can't or don't want to do, which is a lot of things. Because there are just... A huge spread of just things that can be done in D&D. But uh, like depending on the size of your party, there are times where you may not have a particular talent that is needed or a particular spell at the ready. That's shit that happens. Although I am going to put a little disclaimer here towards the beginning, which is the idea of spellcasting services is honestly a very big topic in its own right. So we're going to do that separately at some point in the future as its own episode. Right now we're talking just more generic hirelings. So uh, just to throw out just other more specific ideas. Okay, let's say that you have a very combat-focused party and you may just not have a rogue. If you're about to go into a place that you know has a bunch of traps, or if you just worry that that might be something in general that the party does like might run into, then you might want to hire someone who does have those kind of more roguish skills. So that's actually something that is come up recently on the Riftwake podcast where we are a very, you know, magic and on the other side, damage-focused party. So if we need someone to help with sneaky things, well, shit, that's not something we could do on our own. So we tried to find out if there is an individual in the area who might have those skills that we lack. So that being said, there are a few different 
categories in terms of how just a person can be hired. And I want to actually talk about that side of things before we actually get into numbers. Shocking, I know. So what, Nathan, are like the different ways that a person can just be hired to work for you in terms of duration? You, uh, you go to your nearest work center. You, uh, you post a job. I don't, know, I don't um, mean like how do you hire them. I mean, what are the time frames that you hire someone? Don't know. A day. Okay. A month. Yeah. So that kind of thing. So are you hiring someone to just immediately do a thing for you? Someone who can who needs to spend time doing a thing, or a long term contract. So like I'll sum those up as sorry instant short term and long term and you can decide if you want to make different rules for this kind of thing but actually before i do go into just my opinions on that side of side of things nathan how much do you think is written in the books about hireling prices um there's there's one price for skilled and not skilled and that's all i know Okay, and what are those, and how much are they? Um, one silver and one gold. Yes, you got closer than I expected. In all honesty, like you got the <laughs> ratio right, but the numbers wrong. It is Fuck. two silver and two gold for unskilled versus skilled hirelings. Okay, then. <laughs> and what is the difference between the two? So, so one is a like a grunt, while the other is like a trained warrior. Kind of, although I wouldn't use the word grunt because think of it more like you would have an unskilled hireling be the one to just like hold a torch for the party. Like it requires nothing like skill wise on their part, hence unskilled. Or if it's just like, hey, there is a lot of loot here and we can't carry all of that. You, you, you and you, you look strong. Fill up a bag and let's go. It is literally just people to just do shit that requires absolutely no skills. And yes, I'm using the D&D word for that. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But on the other hand, then you then have skilled labor. So one of the examples that they give is a guard, because a guard is not someone with like the full training of a fighter. But I mean, they have armor, they have a weapon, they can actually do something. Or, you know, if you did want to go the more kind of roguish angle, then maybe you might use a bandit's character sheet as an equivalent. But that is what they're talking about in terms of like the two gold per day. But Nathan, then what would you need to do for a longer term contract with any of those guys? Uh, uh, more, more money? <laughs> That's the question, and it is a question, because what we just said, skilled and unskilled, is the entire extent of what is written in the 5th edition rule set for hirelings. Yeah, That's aware. it! Okay, so um, so next up on the show, writing a contract. No! <laughs> no. <just kidding>. So, <laughs> Ooh, wait, no, actually. <laughs> a work contract. Like, okay. So uh, here's your benefits, you get insurance. <laughs> Uh, but do you have dental? I'm in. <laughs> it's so hard to find good work these days. <laughs> Honestly, that'd be really fun. <laughs> that'd be really, really fun. It's uh, like, okay, here's your work employment benefits. Um, uh, we gotta hire HR. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> we don't Corp, need HR. HR. Corp is HR. Corp is HR. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! <laughs> It's like um, I I I I'm not I don't feel safe in my office. Like, yeah, that's how it should be. It's like a Corfro time leaps out of the shadows. Swings his mighty axe and cleaves his head in twain. But anyway. Uh, uh, I do love me some contracts, and we will actually talk about contracts in a little bit, but not quite yet. But uh Sorry, I need to get this out of my system. (sighs) Okay. So in terms of rules as written, that is it. There is nothing about long-term employment, which is odd. Because even though a lot of adventures might take place like in or around a city, like there's still 
much, much more that doesn't. So if you have a situation where, okay, the players need to go to this remote mountain and find inside this labyrinth of caves this bad guy who we want to be dead now, please. Then, okay, that's a journey that might take the characters a week and a half to get there by whatever means. And then it might take them, you know, three or four days to do the thing. And then, you know, a week and a half to journey back. So it could easily be, you know, three or four weeks. So, you know, just round it up to a month to do a quest. And that's, you know, disregarding whatever kinds of shit you run into along the way. So for you to have to pay someone daily for quests that might take a month or more is odd. So this is where there can actually be quite a lot of debate because throughout just the history of D&D, there have been like a lot of different words used to describe different you know, people available to you. So some of the words used are, you know, hireling, but then there's also minion. So minion is something that I actually kind of miss from the era of fourth edition. One of the other just underrated things from that time. So a minion was just someone who was just considered to have one hit point. So they were just someone who might be handy, but then just always would just die in one hit. Period. <laughs> that's amazing. And that's handy. Because, like, if you are just, like, hiring, you know, someone to carry a torch for you, you don't need, like, a character sheet for that guy. Like, again, this is someone who is just unskilled. So they don't have any trained proficiency. <laughs> Their stats <laughs> may be below average. So this is someone who I'd just like dies imagine. in one hit. Do you know what I would like to imagine? All minions are just children. <laughs> Why am I not surprised, you sadistic fuck? I mean, it makes sense. The hell points, the one hit KO, the holding torches. Maybe. But I would hope that adventurers wouldn't drag children along into, like, a goblin den to carry the torch, let alone something more dangerous. You know what I they say, um, the canary, very good. Uh, I know, canary in the coal mine. Later, there's a trap and uh, there's a kid in front of you. So, like, you know, you might fall into the trap, but you're not gonna. I, I hesitate to say this, but I honestly think that you would enjoy it. Uh, there is a podcast called Dinosaur Park by Sans Pants Radio that is basically like a worse version of Jurassic Park because it is them running it and they're a bunch of idiots. But as it's a game with dice rolls and such, but instead of hit points, they have 10 Argentinian children that every time something bad happens, some amount of children die. <laughs> and this is a comedy, by the way. <laughs> and it, it honestly is a very funny show. That is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, honestly, I think that you would get a kick out of them. Holy shit. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll show you later. <laughs> but anyway, the point being, though, Minion is a category that I honestly miss and is a kind of neat idea to just like, okay, so instead of worrying about the stat block for an unskilled hireling to just use the old minion system and just like, okay, this is just someone with one hit point. I might just jot down their name somewhere. They have no proficiencies. So honestly, you could just use the commoner stat block of just have them have a zero for everything. Like, or honestly, if you really wanted to, you could just decide like, oh, no, this is a person who just is really bad and like, they just have a negative one for everything. So just anytime they need to roll a skill check, they just roll with either a zero or just maybe even a negative one, just depending on your DM style and preferences. But that way it is just easier to math. Hey, hey, Remy, I guess that's what I like. Ah. <laughs> uh... Let me guess, I'm not going far enough. It should be a negative two for everything. <laughs> She's like, okay. Um, you, you walk up the staircase, he trips and falls down and breaks his neck. <laughs> Next. <laughs> no, like, honestly, like, can you imagine? That's the test. <laughs> There's like a, you, you have the hiring table up at of a series of like a staircase. And then like, there's like five people fucking die. <laughs> Because they tripped and uh, fell. Man, I just like had a, a weird idea. <laughs> Sorry, I just had a weird idea of like the Adventurers yeah. Guild having hirelings. <laughs> and it's just like days since last death zero. <laughs> <laughs>
So like, uh, uh, who, who was we don't even have any other, yeah, we don't even have any other numbers. It just wasn't worth the investment. Yeah, the, the last guy was uh, eaten by a troll. <laughs> yeah. They, they, they say the Avengers threw him at the troll, but we can neither confirm nor deny it. Yeah, unfortunately, all the guards were mysteriously not there at that time. Most peculiar. Most peculiar. But seriously, though, minions. So just having there be, okay, use minions for the unskilled. Skilled and then anything past that is where things get way, way, way murkier. Because, again, they don't have a whole lot really written about them, which this may come as a surprise, pisses me off a bit, just because that is inefficient. So having anything that actually just tells us about them would be better for me, but it, it just isn't there. So how can you even judge that kind of thing? So Nathan, just like what would you consider as reasonable strength for that two gold a day? I don't know. It's pretty hard because like you you would obviously wouldn't get someone like a sail type, like someone who who was extremely advanced at crafting for two gold a day. But I would think like um, let's say someone who's competent, not amazing, competent at their job. Mm-hmm. So like think okay, if you needed someone to man a like a forge, um, and and just like make basic weapons yeah sure you could probably hire someone for two gold a day it wouldn't be particularly fast but they would do their job yeah so i was curious to see what you'd say because i did purposefully withhold one small bit of information there are two listed things for the dungeon master's guide in downtime activities of all places they list a few stronghold options and a maintenance cost so this right. is a really fucking obscure place. So there is a mention in businesses or, or sorry, under the maintenance cost, there's businesses and then a tiny footnote for garrisons. Castles and keeps employ soldiers. Use the veteran and guard statistics in the monster manual to defend them. Roadside inns, outposts and forts, blah, 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 blah. These armed warriors make up the bulk of a property's skilled hirelings. So here we go, flat out in the Dungeon Master's Guide, it says veterans and guards apparently count as skilled hirelings. So, okay, I mentioned guard before, but how strong is a veteran, Nathan? Um, he, he's missing a link, so not, not very strong. <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> Dude, that's he has fucked a, up. <laughs> he has acid scars, so not very strong. <laughs> <sighs> All right, let me put it this way. Guard, 16 AC, 11 hit points. <laughs> Veteran, 17 AC, 58 hit points Wait a and multi-attack. That is, like a, that is a, a gap very, very wide. Yes! <laughs> so a guard is a challenge rating, one-eighth. Not one, one slash eight. Can you imagine if the veteran actually had his other leg? He'd be unstoppable. The veteran is a CR3 <laughs> creature. Again, 58 hit points and multi-attack. That's ridiculous. That's insane! <laughs> Just like, um, so uh, what, what do you fight? Well, I fought in a demon war. Well, I took down a Beller demon myself. <laughs> it's like, oh. I'll be two gold a day. <laughs> I'll be generous, though. Hire me a week. Call it 14. <laughs> Wait, but isn't that? Yeah. <laughs> but God damn it. Like, that's ridiculous. <laughs> You're paying them the same amount. <laughs> yes. And another like, way to why, look why at those. <laughs> another so way to dumb. look at the numbers of that. So a guard is two hit dice. So that 11 hit points it has, it's 2d8 plus two. The veteran, on the other hand, is 9d8 plus 18. <laughs> so two hit dice compared to nine hit dice for the same two gold? What? I got what? a question. Why would you ever hire a guard over a veteran? Oh, I mean, at that point, you'd think it'd just be like availability because they're all hired right. out permanently by anyone Actually, with the like, gold. Like, 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 Honestly, I just feel like this system 
is pretty much a very simplified system to the point where it becomes ridiculous if you think too hard about it. Yeah, it is. So, Remy, can you tell us how the fuck you made this overcomplicated? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, I could. But honestly, I'm kind of curious. Like before I give my usual numbers rant, I, I just would be curious what would be your take on just like a logical way to kind of do that? I mean, the logical way, I, I think a fun way of doing this would actually have players interact like like maybe for one or two scenes, actually try and hire someone and be able to try and negotiate like a fucking <laughs> I have um, a contract discussion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, okay, um, do you have dental benefits? <laughs> the party looks at each other. It's like, I don't know. I will cast a prestidigitation <laughs> on your mouth every morning. Sold. <laughs> yeah, that that kind of stuff. I I think doing it for like the like one or two scenes, the one time that you need to do it, and then figuring out, okay, what's the that baseline? Like, what's the baseline? Um. And that, that's pretty much how, how I would do it, because that way you have a moment out, like out of it, basically. Yeah. And honestly, another factor just to me would be for the duration to be a consideration. Like if you're just if you just need a person to help you with a thing one time, then I wouldn't care much to make a big role play moment out of it unless there was just some particularly good right. opportunity you know like what we had last session with meeting our new rogue friend but if it's just like okay let's say you have just a party where everyone in your group just really likes magic so you're all just really squishy it would just be a smart thing to just hire a tank to help guard you and keep them away from your squishy magic bits. It's like, um, what? What's your name? My name's Chungus. Okay, Chungus. Um, I'll pay you two gold today, <laughs> and, and you'll go and uh, attack some people for me. It's like sounds good. <laughs> but anyway, but in terms of the actual numbers, I obviously am a massive fan of formulas. But this is something that can very much vary just based on your world DM style and just the amount of treasure that you give out. Because if you do have like long or short term differences for your hirelings, this is something that might add up to be too much just depending on just the level of your players and your world. Because like if you're playing in a higher level game, and you just need an extra person to stick around, well, then just like using the daily higher rates may not be feasible. But anyway, flat numbers now. So we have the idea that, okay, if it is just two hit dice for a guard for two gold, then is that good enough? So you just consider, oh, okay, for every hit die Wait, Remy. that the creature has, it's that much gold per day. Wait, Remy, um, real quick. Mm -hmm. How much does a slave cost? We're getting there. That's on the list. Okay, sounds cool. Good, good. <laughs> I know you, damn it. <laughs> <sighs> anyway. I'm, I'm very excited. <laughs> but, okay, so what would your thoughts be, though, on just, like, one gold per hit die? So, under that system... That would mean a guard would be two gold, but a veteran then would be nine gold per day. Hmm. It means absolutely nothing to me, but sure, that sounds cool. <laughs> I mean, again, this is something that is just like, does it work for your world? And that just really is dependent on how much you just think about the economics of your world. You know, see previous episode just talking about economics. But... That's part of what makes hirelings difficult is the fact that 5th edition specifically doesn't have anything like about just the world's economics. Like we're going to be talking in Thursday's episode about magic item prices. So you'll definitely hear a little bit more economics talk there. But people is hard to figure out. So this is where it's helpful, in my opinion, again, to just think about you know, the the Remy math of fifth edition gold, like to think of it like, OK, if you consider a gold piece to be one hundred dollars US, then that would mean that a guard would get paid two hundred dollars a day, which actually 
actually seems pretty reasonable for, okay, this is, you know, a combat trained individual who, you know, is proficient with armor and a weapon like that's Okay, I'm okay with that. That works for me. But then if you consider what a veteran is, this is someone who has been through some shit, like 58 hit points compared to the guards 11 with multi-attack. This is a much more competent individual. So going by that previous math, nine gold a day because nine hit dice. Okay, so that would mean $900 a day, which, okay, that also kind of works. So for early to mid levels, that formula is really, it works for me. The issue that I have is where you start getting into higher levels, which thankfully isn't often the case in 5th edition, but I'm fully acknowledging that my math has issue when you start moving up. So let's say you, let's just say that there are level 20 individuals in your world. To hire a level 20 individual for 20 gold is insane. Like, there is not a chance in hell that anyone would be willing to accept such a thing because, like, these are people who have the power to take on dragons, just change reality at their whim. Like, it, it just is silly at that point. But, on the other hand, like, that doesn't mean that such a person would be available to be hired. Or you could also go the just more complicated formula route like okay maybe it is something like okay each tier of D, D. so we've talked in the past that there's four tiers of you know uh play of characters you know levels one through four five through ten uh, 11 through 16 and then 17 through 20 so maybe you add that as a modifier in which case okay so maybe it's you know times one times two times three times four in that but again at high levels, that's just complicated and messy and still really cheap. So, okay, then what? Well, fuck. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Coriant has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Coriant has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Coriant's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Coriant.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Like, honestly, the easiest way to that I would consider it is that you use the hit die formula for creatures up to maybe 10 hit dice or so and just keep it simple to that one gold per hit die per day, maybe 15, just depending on your world. But again, that would be up to you. I would say 10. So that would mean that the veteran would be up there for what could be available to be hired and that. Any creature with more hit dice than that is probably better off just being treated as a full NPC, in which case you would need to actually like negotiate with them. And instead of just hiring them, they would go to a new category. So we talked about minions, and now we've talked about hirelings. So now let's move on to something else. So this is where we can go into either henchmen or sidekicks, which both can be kind of a version of the same thing. So I'm just going to say both words. So this is where you actually have an NPC who is just tagging along with the party for some period of time. And at that point, and especially at that strength 
if you are going higher up. This is the point where, okay, this person is a full party member for all intents and purposes, and that which would also mean then that they should just get a share of whatever treasure the party earns, and they should be able to potentially level up even because they should get a share of experience from the party as well. And a hireling and a minion who are not like as powerful an individual or as skilled an individual should not get experience. But any henchman or sidekick should. And that also means then that you don't have to work out daily math at that point in time anymore. So if you do have an NPC who tags along with the party as a full-on sidekick or henchman, they deserve a share of the gold instead of just the daily rate of pay. Make sense? Yep. I'm just curious. Do you have any thoughts and feelings on what I just said? Well, I I, I personally think like um, that's a really cool idea to to basically have sidekicks and stuff have actually be be compensated for their thing properly. But I, I'm thinking more on the running side. Um, Remy, what's your thoughts on running like separate characters um, and how to handle them? Because uh, sometimes it can be a bit difficult. I know this is a bit of a tend. It can be a bit difficult to find your place when uh, dealing with like they, they are dealing with players. Like when do they give their opinions if they do? Okay, so there's two different potential answers to that, and it's based on who is playing the potential sidekick or henchman. So I'm just going to stick with sidekicks since we've talked about them so much in the past. So, okay, let's say that there's a sidekick. Is it a DM PC where you, the DM, is running it, or is the player or is a player character playing this additional individual? And that's where, th and just that is really where things are a little bit more fuzzy. Because if it is under a player's control, then it is still up to the player to just do the dice rolls and potentially ask the questions that their character would not. So just to use a more personal example, let's say that in arc one of Riftwake, while I was playing Morris, Morris was a character with six intelligence. So there were quite a number of times where it was inappropriate for I, Remy, to ask a question because there's no way that Morris would think to ask that. So potentially, if we did have a sidekick character that I was in control of, then that might actually give me an outlet for an in-story reason for more reasonable questions to get asked, for other traps to potentially get poked at, you know, without literally going up and poking it. And that is something that can work. On the other hand, if it is just a single sidekick in the party, then that also is potentially problematic in terms of sharing the spotlight. Because if it is someone who's trying to take, you know, more than their fair share of like the time to shine, that can get troublesome. On the other hand, if a DM is running it, that also is something that can be of concern. Because there is often a player bias that if a DMPC says something or asks something, that that's the DM giving them a hint through the character. And that shouldn't necessarily be the case. If you want to run something that way, you can, but it's not something that I personally am fond of. Like, I prefer much more to let players drive a situation and to not have a DMPC take really any, you know, to like any major amount of time in the spotlight. So sorry, Nathan, I can't give you a solid answer on that one. It is honestly a kind of tricky question. I mean, yeah, it is. Uh, so in summary, maybe. <laughs> but anyway, OK, so minions, hirelings, sidekicks. So now we get to Nathan's favorite slaves. So, <laughs> or as I could politely put it, long-term hirelings. Uh, wait, no, I already use long-term. I shouldn't phrase it that way. Well, it's not. Anyway, slaves. Nathan, how do you think slaves should be treated in a game of 5th edition D&D? So, uh, let me see. First off, you, there's like a couple main things. 
um, you got to deal with how you're going to purchase the slave. Next thing is how the slave thinks of the players. Is there any way that you can control the slave? Do, do you need to hit it a bunch for it to do work? You know? Um, <laughs> uh, and um, if your goal is to, like, end up having the slave take a less, you know, slave position, how, how are you going to handle that? So, yeah. Yeah, and oh, sorry about that. My mother just decided to call me at six thirty in the morning. I see. I thought you were I'm gonna, gonna die. call back later. No, no, that thankfully wasn't that sound. Although it scared the hell out of me for a moment. I was like, "Why is my phone buzzing continually?" Oh, it's ringing. Right, that's a phone. They do that anyway. Fuck our uh, slaves. That's right. So. There are a number of things to consider about that, which is before you even just think about any math related, this is definitely a situation where you really should consider morality first, because as we've also talked about in the past with session zero and just morality also, there are lines that are not okay to be crossed in game. So if it is something that you want to bring up, that is something that you should be aware of your players' thoughts on the matter and also just how you intend to treat it. Because depending on the dungeon master, like you may have just slavery just be a thing in your world and have it be a thing that in some places is treated very casual and normal. And... That is something that a number of people, for very good reason, may not be okay with. So, yeah, just your mileage may vary, and just maybe even just talk to your players ahead of time. Just that, like, hey, this is something I'm thinking about introducing. You know, what do you think? And just have an honest and open just chat okay, about guys, it. Okay, guys, um, I want to introduce slaves into the game. <sighs> you, you have to hit them. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to uh, give yeah. you some. Uh, please enjoy the gift. Okay. But so that aside, I'm just going to move along with the assumption that this conversation has already taken place and that hopefully you and your players aren't going to cross any lines that you oughtn't. So with that being said, how to deal with players making use of slaves for services so again thinking about this from the hireling perspective which is what we're trying to focus on here okay so let's just say that you want to just have a person who can just carry the torch for you forever and someone who you just don't want to ever pay even if you're not paying them you should you'd still need to feed them and let them have a place to sleep because again if you don't feed them or if you do treat them very badly well historically speaking people ain't so fond of that so that's the kind of thing that might have the party wake up to hear the gurgling slit throat of someone who treated them badly so just come on guys just have some humanity even if you do decide to exactly. go this route treat your slaves good <laughs> or they might kill you and that's the only reason not to nothing with morality but anyway on the other hand a dnd world is insanely dangerous compared to ours there are monsters everywhere so it's not impossible for there to be someone who's just in a really shitty life situation like if there is just like a farmer whose, you know, crops were all, you know, eaten and stolen by goblins or whatever. You know, the house was burned down and then they just barely survived by hiding in the basement. They're fucked. So there are people for whom some form of indentured servitude would actually be an upgrade. And that sucks, but they're out there. Like, there is no doubt that in a D&D world, like, if you actually are, like, wait, I can travel along with you adventurer types? And if I just hold the torch for you, you'll give me food and let me sleep in a place probably nicer than I've ever slept in my life? Sold. So, it's possible, and probably not as uncommon as you'd think, to have willing indentured servants. 
which I'm honestly a lot more okay with because that's a lot, you know, less dark than full on slavery. But again, like that's the kind of thing that you can negotiate pretty easily, honestly. Wait a second. Um, so Remy, how, how much would a butler cost? Well, that depends. So would you consider a butler to be skilled or unskilled labor? And this is why it's so strange that it's such a binary that is 10 times more expensive. So, again, thinking of it in terms of dollars, though, two silver is $20 a day U.S. And then $200 a day for a skilled hireling. So $20 or $200 with nothing in between. So this is another good showing of why it doesn't really work great. So honestly, back in previous editions, there were way more just charts and, you know, multiple just sections in multiple books about just like different hirelings that cost different amounts. But in the attempt to simplify fifth edition, they just kind of got rid of all of that and just have it be 20 bucks or $200 with nothing in between. So this is where there's a slightly more difficult question, which is, are you willing to complicate things? Because that can be very troublesome, but you could also just decide to not worry about such things. Because, okay, if you were to have a butler, I don't think that that butler would be the proper person to travel with a party through the woods. If you have a butler, they're hopefully at home taking care of the house because that's what butlers do. So in that case, honestly, the way that I would probably treat things is that, okay, you have the kind of household expense. So instead of worrying as much about like, oh, this person gets that much and this person gets that much, you might just say, okay, the house is this big. So you'd probably need, let's say, you know, five people to take care of the, you know, house and grounds if you have like a nice mansion, let's say. So, okay, so it's five people. And let's just say then that you can just have, okay, let's just say that part of the expense is just like the materials needed. Some amount goes to them actually doing it. So let's just say 10 gold because maybe one or two of them are unskilled and then the rest of that money just goes to household expense and you just kind of wave it off and not worry about it. Because as much as I love numbers, I want numbers to be used to actually be helpful to the world building, to the feel of what you're trying to create. Numbers shouldn't complicate things unnecessarily. So if you are just trying to figure out, okay, what would be the household expense then just throw out a number and then just say it's dealt with. You don't need to itemize the fictional inventory and household services for every butler, you know, maid, what have you, cook, uh, what other (laughs) things people need. (laughs) Just don't worry about that shit because that doesn't improve the game to think about how well paid is your chef. On the other hand, If you want the game that you're playing to, like, have the best paid chef in the city, then sure, you can think about more special. I I really want to see, like, a game, right? It's like, you're all retired adventurers and you you just run, like, some fucking business. Maybe, like, the entire game is basically just making negotiations, dealing with people, hiring people. Yeah, so just have it be where just, like, the running of a stronghold is just the game. Like, I'll be honest, like, that's the kind of thing that I would enjoy because I do really like the talky bits of D&D. So I would enjoy doing something like that. Hmm, actually, that gives me an idea for a one shot. We'll talk later. We, I could do something like that. Anyway, uh, we have tangented a lot, but uh, going back to indentured servitude. So in any kind of large city also, there's going to be a lot of people that just don't have a very good life situation. Like, even if you did just go to the docks and then just found just some dock worker who's an unskilled laborer. Like if you just went up to someone like that and, you know, found someone who either is willing or just like doesn't have family who would miss them and just say like, hey, like if you come with me for a gold a day, you know, you help us out like that is 
five times more than he was making as a dock worker. But, you know, it is a much more dangerous job to travel with adventurers. And that's and that might, you know, help make a new friend. And then maybe they could even grow over time. And that's what takes me to another important point. Should hirelings and any other category for that matter be able to grow? Your thoughts? Well, I think, yeah, they should grow, but is, wouldn't it be a fucking nightmare to deal with, considering you have so many tarings? I think, like, it depends, like, if there's someone who's basically a henchman, uh, I'm sorry, a sidekick, um, I guess, but if they don't play a massive part of the party, I don't think you should bother. Yeah, and this is... Honestly, another hard question that requires a DM to think about from the world building perspective. Okay, what is the difference between hirelings and player characters? Is it stats? Is it abilities? Is it the ability to grow? Because it is specified that like the leveling system is for PCs and that sidekicks were introduced and fully now, as of uh, the release of Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. But uh, sidekicks are a way to let NPCs grow. Like, it does give rules to add new levels to creatures, but only to a point. So there is no good system to level NPCs, which is a pain. So the other thing that you can do, though, to make your life easier, is to just don't necessarily upgrade too much like just by changing numbers but to just upgrade in terms of a new character sheet so instead like let's say that you hire someone on as a commoner and that just like you allow them and make the choice that they can grow for, for first of all so you have a commoner and then maybe they grow and then you just give them a guard character sheet like let's say like some time passes in game and you do like have the fighter of the party train them in some basics then okay maybe they can upgrade and become a guard then when the, once they're a guard you know maybe you start paying them a little more because they actually have a skill now and then over some time might pass and then maybe you can upgrade them again like maybe you know they start learning a bit of magic and you might decide to give them the acolyte character sheet you know or you just use some other you know one fourth cr creature one half cr creature you know etc etc just as time goes on to just give a newer character sheet and then just have them become you know a scout uh you know maybe even a uh, you know, bandit captain one day and just and so on and so on, like up to either the end of the campaign, their death or just whatever happens, because there are a lot of humanoid character sheets just throughout the various books. So just upgrading them to the next thing in line doesn't require a lot of work because you're just slapping the name of the character on the new character sheet. And that doesn't take a lot from you. On the other hand, if you did want to actually just upgrade the character, you know, like leveling up, you can decide to do that. Like if you did want to just make an actual character sheet for them, like especially if you have D&D Beyond, that's much, much easier. But like you can just make character sheets for NPCs that end up sticking around. Like it could even be like, OK, let's say you do hire a guard at one point to just give you an extra sword hand, sword hand. And then like you end up just having that guard stick around for whatever reason. OK, then maybe you do like upgrade them after a while and just make them, you know, a first double fighter and then just let them actually become a sidekick you know or a henchman and actually do let them level up alongside the party you know share of treasure share of xp all that good stuff like there is not one way to do this for better and for worse in all honesty so in summary anytime that player characters may just not have something that they need to complete the current task or if there just are more general tasks that they don't want to do having some form of hireling is a really fun way to just let players get a kind of taste of nobility honestly in having someone who is subordinate to them but the numbers involved in actually doing such thing can be complicated so 
either use one of the systems that I talked about today, or you could even just come up with your own to suit your world. Sorry, folks. One more thing. Uh, one other very important thing that I did forget to mention in the earlier part of the episode. How do you deal with hirelings being so cheap if you have a particularly rich party? So, Nathan, how would you handle a situation if your players had, let's just say, a thousand gold and wanted to just hire 500 guards for a day? That, that would be cool. Uh, availability <laughs> is a thing. Availability <laughs> no, no, is a thing. But like, if honestly, it were fun. available, I would let them know it because it would be All fun. Right, so let's even just narrow it. Let's say they wanted to just hire 20 guards to travel with them for some amount of time on a quest. So like there's other issues when you get so many people, you need to start to deal with catering. You need to start dealing with the fact that people can't get through doors. <laughs> if you know yeah. what I mean. But let's say it's the situation Space. where, you know, okay, there's some monster in an area and you just decide, I would rather have some extra help for this. I would feel much better if we had 20 guys with crossbows at our back. Right, and that, that would work. So, like, essentially, if you said crossbows, you would kind of just have it be so that um, there would be people. Either it will be like, okay, every round you get a couple of shots, they, they do a couple of shots, and that that's just a thing. You don't actually place them on the map. Or... You actually place them on the map. You place a couple, not all of them. And then you just essentially buff these guys up a little bit so that they can represent multiple people instead. Yeah. The point being, as we do so love saying, action economy is a big deal in 5th edition. So the idea that a guard is available for only two gold a day means that any sufficiently sufficiently words any sufficiently wealthy player has the ability financially speaking to hire some amount of guards is actually pretty interesting and is worth dm consideration to decide are there laws against such things like maybe like any city for example has a law that you can't have more than like three you know guards hired unless you are nobility to you know prevent a peasant uprising which honestly would be a smart law to have and actually laws related to that have historically existed to like prevent the raising of private security forces like there are still laws about that now actually so whether you do want to kind of treat it in terms of you know, a limitation or just availability, it is something worth thinking about because if there is a relatively inexpensive way to make combat significantly easier, you bet your ass there's going to be some player character that thinks to try it. Thanks for listening to this episode of Rifts and Rules. Please leave us a review and give us five stars on iTunes. Also, support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash podcast. Tiers start as low as a dollar, and even that much really helps us out. Supporters get benefits such as behind-the-scenes content, early access to episodes, access to the monthly hangout where you'll be able to chat with the cast, and even input on Rifts and Rules topics. Find us on social media, on Twitter at Riftwake Podcast, on Facebook as Riftwake, on Reddit, on the subreddit, r slash Riftwake Podcast, and you can send us an email, riftwakepodcast at gmail.com. And that's it for today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.